jarring mix of themes old and more recent tells you that you're listening to the Power of Three podcast where three lifelong grumpy middle-aged Doctor Who fans discuss, enthuse and occasionally criticise the televised, novelised and audio adventures of our favourite time-travelling hero. Welcome back, another episode of Power of Three podcast and we are joined again by Kenny and Davey. Hello Kenny. Hello, Tom. Hello, everybody. Davey, how are you? I'm fine, Tom. Very well. How's your own self? You okay? I'm very well. I'm very well. This whole remote recording thing lends itself very easily to a lockdown situation. It does. You'd almost think Zoom was invented for it. Well, you know, one of the very few upsides to lockdown, I suppose. What are we talking about today, guys? Kenny, tell us. Well, given that there's been a few bits of Doctor Who news and merchandise things happening in recent times, it would be an idea just to give our thoughts on some of the newly announced and newly released items that are going to be adorning our shelves in the coming weeks and months, if they're not already there. Well, one thing we know is not there is the classic season eight in Blu-ray because it's not been released yet. When when is the date? I remember ordering it on Amazon, but I I can't remember what date it said for delivery. The retailers are available. Other retailers are available, of course. HMV would be highly recommended. Any high street shop, yes. of course. Having, yep. said, having said all that, do we know? Do we have a date? I think when I yes. ordered it, it said date to be announced. It's the 23rd of February. All right, just after so we'll just have about seven, was, seven or so weeks to go. I, I thought it was earlier than that. Not to worry, that's fine. Something to look forward to. Mark it on the calendar. Cool. Mm-hmm. Just after my birthday. So, guys, if you want to get me something. Don't, don't, don't get me this because I've already purchased it. Oh, damn it, there we were going to chip in. <laughs> yeah, that's just um, it's only a week or so before mine as well. That's quite handy. Yeah. Plug, plug, says Dave. <laughs> we will talk about the, the DVD extras, the Blu-ray extras, because that's the main reason that fans are going to buy this, isn't it? We can assume that most fans will have bought the DVDs of these individual uh, episodes before now. Uh, I certainly have. I know you two guys have. So it's the it's the extras, isn't it, that we're buying them for? But before we go on to discuss the extras, uh, let's remind ourselves. David, tell us what uh, adventures were uh, are going to be on season eight. Season eight kicks off with Terror of the Autons, um, introducing Joe Grant, Captain Yates, and the Master. So obviously, there's been some a little bit of noise recently, but they're all they're all sort of combined sort of fiftieth anniversaries, which is nice. Um, then it's the Mind of Evil, then it's Close of Axos, Colony in Space, and finally the Demons. Um, yeah, stories, all stories which I really, really like. I'm, I'm really glad that this series is coming out so soon. I think, I think we'd all speculated that Season 11 might be the next John Pertwee one to come out, but I'm, I'm glad it's these ones because they're all proper, solid. You know, Barry and Terence have worked out what they're doing by now, and yeah, I, I like them all. Can I ask you guys, see when you buy these Blu-ray box sets, um, and you've already got the DVDs. Mm. Do you get rid of the DVDs, or do you hold on to them? Are you that much of a completest? Trying I to get, get into mine, Justin. I, I've, kept, I've kept mine, and obviously, 
Um, you know, there'll be we know there'll be one extra in the future that won't be appearing on DVD on the Blu-ray when it comes to season 22 and the fix with some Tarans. Um, but no, I tend to keep my I keep my DVDs as well. You do, yeah, David. Keep them. Yeah, yeah, because I've I've I think in a few occasions some of the 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 bonus features that were on certain stories haven't made it over to the Blu-rays. Um, I think some of them might you know I get the impression that some of them might turn up on on other ones, but no, it's, I, I, don't, is it, I think it's because I spent so much money accumulating them all, I'd feel annoyed about it. Yeah, yeah, because you can't sell them for anything like what you paid for them. Exactly. Uh, I, I confess I have been slowly getting rid of my classic DVDs as I get the box sets. <gasps> but, I know, but it's really just to save space. I have yes. limited yeah. amount of, of bookshelf space and uh, I just can't really justify having two versions of the same show on my shelves. Yeah, okay. I'll WhatsApp you. I'll WhatsApp you a photograph of how I have mine arranged at the moment. <laughs> you right. it, it sums that up exactly. Well, it's, you should um, WhatsApp yeah. it and then put it on the Facebook page so that our fans can do it. Yeah. Yes. Well, briefly, uh, let's have a very quick run through of these these series uh, because of what we thought about them. I mean, I, I, as you know, I am very old, and I remember Terror of the Autons when it was first broadcast. Fantastic. And I remember being very very excited when I realised it was Autons because. As I've said in this a few times, uh, Spear Air from Space was the very first show, the first adventure that I watched all the way through. I was old enough to, to watch it and vaguely understand it and be utterly terrified by it. And I, I, I remember loving this. I remember thinking that, well, the daffodils, of course, were just so weirdly violent. And the, the, you know, the, the, the funny masked autons that give out the daffodils, um, I just remember thinking they were so incredibly sinister. And I loved the scene where the doctor is almost strangled by his own telephone cable. Uh, and just, you know, those kind of images stayed with me over many, many years, right up until we got the first chance to actually buy the, the series on, on DVD or VHS whenever it was first released. When did you guys first see it? I saw it in a pirate copy many, many years ago when I started going to the Glasgow Doctor Who group in... Uh, so it would probably be mid-1990. Um, obviously, in those days, it was in black and white long before the colour restorations took place. Well, not that long, but two or three years before the colour restorations began. And they were able to take the signal off American off-air copies and restore it and match it up with the, the black and white version to make it a good, sharp copy. I think, um, the, I think I saw the demons when it was repeated in BBC Two, late '92. Um, the rest of them, I think I don't, I don't think I saw them until they, you know, they came out in VHS. Um, but I read the books, obviously, of these ones. I think Mind of Evil was the last one that didn't come out until about '85. But the rest of them were all sort of key texts. Yeah. As, as a Doctor Who fan, re reading the novels, um, I mean, I watched Close of Axos the other night. I stuck it on at random and was really struck by how much I remembered of the book how much watching the TV episodes again reminded me of when I read the book. And I haven't read that book in probably 30 odd years, you know, and, um, but these, these four stories were, you know, the ones that were novelized in the seventies, they're all, they're all sort of strong, important stories in the canon, you know, and I remember them very fondly from the books, especially something like Terror of the Autons and which the TV version of could not compare to the book. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was, um, the book was so much, I don't know, the, when the monster appeared at the end, you know, in the, the, the giant nesting appeared and it was just a little white blob. <laughs> and that's you're like, right. oh, right, that's not a big scary monster that we got well, in the book. The books are better. 
I suppose it's too much to hope that we've got some CGI effects where there actually is a huge giant octopus trying to... Well, uh, Tom, funny you should say that because one of the DVD extras are optional updated special effects and CSO cleanup on Terror of the Autonomous. Ah, that's interesting. I look forward to seeing So, I mean, the thing that I'm really excited by is seeing the picture restoration as, as to how they've been able to improve it because obviously... Some of these stories only existed as black and white and they've sourced the colour from off your copies from America. So obviously there's been a lot of red bleed in these ones. So it'll be very interesting to see just how the, the restoration goes, particularly on Terror of the Autons and the Demons. Because obviously we saw what they did with Mind of Evil and it looked fantastic. It's interesting that um, if you look at the five stories in this, apart from Mind of Evil, all the others were, were published quite early on in the target. Yes of paperbacks. I mean, yeah. uh, The Demons was the very first one I ever read back in 1976. Um, Calling Space was already out when I started my collection. Clause of Access came out on this, well, it was, it was announced in a newsletter I got from Target Books, which uh, told, told us uh, all of the advanced publication dates for the next series of books which included Doctor Who but wasn't restricted to Doctor Who and uh, we were very excited to read that Clause of Axos and Dalek Invasion of Earth were the next two Doctor Who's to be, uh, to, be to be released. Mind of Evil I never bought because I stopped my collection before that was that was published and Terror of the Autumns has got such a fantastic cover not a Chris Achilleos cover but it's got one of those covers where you look at it and it was the same style as Planet of the Spiders, because it, the main f- illustration and then a little insert, which inv- caught, included the Doctor yeah. shouting at the Master as the Master bent over the control panel. But looking at the cover, you know, you you can understand why people might be slightly disappointed having looked at that cover and the illustrations inside, and then finally to get round to watching the original broadcast. And as you say, Davy, it was a uh, oh look, a big white blob in the sky. Yeah, I mean, I love those covers. There's a there's a real sort of comic strip sort of look to them. Yeah. What suddenly popped into my head is now that I bought the, the novelization of Mind of Evil when I was on holiday with my family in Berwick on Tweed in 1985. <laughs> That's just popped into my head. Um, so that must have been really close to when it was published. I think it was the same day I finally got one copy of Revenge of the Cybermen as a book as well. Interesting. These these um these stories are all really good. I know Colony in Space doesn't isn't held up very well, but I'm a big fan of the. A lot of people, I'm a big fan of the Pertwee Six Partners because they give a lot of room for the supporting characters and the situation to sort of bed in and, and play out. You know, it's good, good serial drama. Yeah. These things are great, Dave. The fact that, you know, these memories, the things that I really love about these Blu ray sets are these new extras. The thing that I'm particularly, I like the revisiting old locations, seeing them again. And this one's got a whole feature on them. So we've got three of the directors on a road trip to all the filming locations from season eight. So we might even get to see what the quarry from Colony in Space looks like now. Can't wait. <laughs> um, I mean, the one that I'm looking forward to seeing is uh, there's a one called A Devil's Weekend where Katie Manning and John Levine take a trip to Oldbourne, which I have visited. I, I may have mentioned it before. I took Katie, my daughter, there when she was maybe about two years old, and it was super slippery that day, and I fell, but thankfully kept the pram upright, and we had to wander around, and we even saw the cloven hoof sign inside the local pub. No sign of Bok, though, but really, really fantastic place, because it's only about half an hour from where my in-laws live. What else have we got? We've got Behind the Sofa, as always, or Goggle Docks, with Katie Manning, Stuart Bevan, Janet Fielding, Sarah Sutton, Sasha Dewan, and Angela Mohindra. 
uh, Matthew Sweet in a big chat with Katie Manning. Um, Frank Skinner is going to meet the friends, family and colleagues of the late, great Terence Dix. Ah, good. There's, oh, an ex- there's an extended version of Cause of Axos episode one. There's the omnibus edition of The Demons. Exciting if you've got a good surround sound system. There's immersive 5.1 sound on Terror of the Autons and The Demons. Unseen studio footage, archive treats, convention footage, HD photo galleries, scripts, costume designs, rare BBC production files, and it's all over the course of eight discs. And given our earlier conversation, is there any way we can identify any extras that were on the DVD releases that are not on this? I think I think pretty much everything that featured that I was looking at the originals, um, having glanced at them earlier, there seems to be everything that seems to be fairly pertinent to what was released at the time, because some things they, they add in extra bits to go in later, if, or if the DVDs come out already and then they found something else. So it'll all look rather spiffing, one would hope. From that list of goodies, Davey, is there a particular one that attracts your attention? Well, um, I, like, I do like the sound of the Frank Skinner documentary about Terence Dix. That would be quite interesting. Yeah. These documentaries, when they go and you know, they look dip into the the pers- the life. Of, I don't want to say personal life because that sounds invasive. When they dip into the life of a you know an important Doctor Who person, or even a lesser important Doctor Who person. I mean, Toby Haydock's done a couple of really good, you know, investigative, you know, programs where he's looked into the lives of people who who, who had since died. Yeah. This is t- I'm rambling here. No, the the, the Frank Skinner Terence Dix thing should be very good. What about yourself, Tom? Well, I was going to ask, is Frank Skinner known to be a fan? Oh, yeah. oh yes. Yeah. Huge fan, Tom. I had a chat with Frank at the press launch for The Snowmen. As he was standing over in the corner and nobody was talking to him and he looked a bit lost. I went over and said hello. And bizarrely, we started chatting about football and I cursed him for having written the best or the second best football song of all time ever, which I hate because it's so good. Anyway, we of course got around to talking about Doctor Who and had a really good natter, really good chat about things we loved and he was in his element. When he did, he appeared in um, The Mummy and Orient Express and all his, his, he said, I think it was a quote from, um, from him that he was watching the Censorites on his laptop or something when he got the, the call telling him that he'd got the part. He's done quite a lot of stuff for Big Finish. Right, okay, good. Yeah, yeah good guy. No, I'd like to. I'd like to see the the turn sticks things. I mean, like like most fans, I'm a I'm a you know he was a hero of mine. Uh, and we we, we well, our very second episode of Power of Three, we did a tribute to Terms because he had just he had just died. And I think the common experience is that you know a lot of us actually started reading books thanks to him. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the special the new special effects. I always like to see this new special effects. Some of them are more successful than others. I have to say. And, yep. some, and some of them you just like to watch it with the original effects because, you know, purists don't want to mess with stuff. You know, we've all learned the lesson of, of George Lucas's uh, adventures in that area. Mm. Um, but no, true. I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing what they've done with, with all of these because, you know, the CSO obsession uh, back in the 70s did get a bit out of hand in this series, actually. Uh, when they even had a CSO for absolutely no reason of a kitchen in Terror of the Autumns. That's right. That's become such a meme. You know, she's been dropped at poor Mrs. Farrell. She's been dropped into so many <laughs> situations, you know, by clever photoshoppers. Okay, look forward to uh, receiving that through the post uh, on or around 23rd of February.
Next on our list, uh, Davey, tell us what we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking about Doctor Who magazine's amazing restored collection of the, the TV21 Dalek strip, which came out a month or so ago. Wonderful. They'd previously collected the whole thing in the 90s, but this time they've had a much more, um, they've had a lot more access to original art in a lot of cases, and they've performed a, you know, a good sort of clean-up job, and it's you know, much better presented than it was previously. And um, and it's an absolute treat, I really must say. It really is. Kenny, what's your thoughts on this? Well, this was very, very difficult to find because as soon as it was announced, it pretty much sold out. Everybody ordered it from Panini and it vanished. And I couldn't find it in the shelves anywhere. I actually, to, I mentioned in Twitter, if anybody had a spare copy, and thankfully, um, two people actually picked them up and, and uh, picked them up and bought them for me. And of course, Tom, I knew that you were looking for it. So obviously you're the recipient of my extra copy. I, I didn't realise uh, that you'd got them through Twitter. Who knew that social media would actually come in useful one day? I know. Very, very handy. But yeah. And, and of course, Tom, it's only 9 99 I didn't overcharge you any extra. You're just reminding me I haven't paid you yet. That's a very good point. Yeah. Anyway, it's only 9.99, Tom. Just a just to <laughs> I'll cover I'll, your post. I'll, I'll round it up. I'll round it up. Oh, thanks, Tom. <laughs> so kind. But no, I, I think it's a fantastic publication. I mean, it's all the 104 original installments being digitally restored, as they've said. And it, it just looks stunning. It's just so clear. And you can really appreciate the, the art and the work that's gone into it. I love looking back through these stories because I think they're, they're great stories. But what I do love doing is looking for particular strips that I remember when they were first published. And and what stuck in my mind was, and I didn't remember too many details about it, but I remember a duel in the Scarrow Forest between an uh, an upstart Dalek who was trying to replace the Emperor. And, Zeg. And they had to fight each other. <clears throat> and I, I, I didn't even know in the comic, I think I read it in the waiting room of my local barber, I was waiting to get my hair cut. And he always had this big pile of comics. And uh, I, I remember reading that, and once again, as with all good stories, it stuck in my head for many, many years. And I was just thrilled that it was um, reproduced in this particular edition, uh, almost exactly as I remember it. it. It is a fantastic thing to keep. It's, it's a wonderful thing to have. I mean, I first read some of the strips when they were, um, some of them were reprinted in some of the 1970s Dalek annuals. And then DWM in the early 80s reprinted a lot of them, but they were really kind of really foggy black and white so it's nice to have a nice pristine copy to look at yeah. and it's it's even from a comics point of view it's so good because the amount of plot and story that they pack in to each page is phenomenal i mean comics nowadays are so decompressed in their storytelling and you know mm -hmm. the, the especially the american the superhero comics i read i read a lot of um and you know nowadays you get you know, Six, six issues worth of story, you would probably get over one or two, even as recently as 20, 25 years ago. And reading through this Dalek collection again, I'm just amazed at how much they pack in to yeah. every page. It's, it's, it's phenomenal work, it really is. I, I was going to say exactly what Dave says there. I was first introduced to them through the 70s Dalek annuals when they reprinted them. And as you said in the, in the reprints in DWM, it's just incredible. The, the detail and the scope and the scale of them is just the fact there's so much world it's not even world building it's universe building there's so much in there and the fact we've got distinct characters like the emperor and as as you mentioned tom the upstart Dalek zeg there's just so much in there to enjoy and appreciate and just great characters like the 
robot sent to try and destroy the Daleks, whose name escapes me, K something. And he's great. It's just that they're so, so epic and they very much feel that their own little bubble world. Were either of you aware of the fanzine Warp, Warp which did its own, its own style of these 60s strips, but on audio with David Graham well, playing course, the Emperor yeah. again? That's right, yeah. They did a selection of covers, didn't they? One that was based on the old school TV21. I think that was the one that I got, yeah. I, I don't think I've actually listened to it. Isn't that terrible? There's an analysis to be made of it, just how much nostalgia plays in the in the lives of, of Doctor Who fans uh, versus, you know, current uh, fascination with the show. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not talking about any judgment of the current show. I just mean throughout its its history. I mean, for me, nostalgia plays probably 99% attraction for the show for me because I, I just love going back to all the Target books. I love going back to the Dalek strips. love going back to series that were broadcast in the 1970s. I just find that far more engaging than talking about the current series. I've always felt that, even you know, even in the days when I watched it, when Tennant Smith and Capaldi were, were, were in the lead role. Um, am I unusual in that, or, or does nostalgia play a large part in everyone's um, you know, fan activities? No, I'd agree with that, Tom. I think um, while you can enjoy the current version, it's always nice to have those things that you used to enjoy that remind you of why you love the current version as much. That's, that's always been my way of looking at it. Yeah. When I started my big, when was it now? 2008, gee whiz, ages ago. When I, was pro, when I started my big watch through of the whole series, um, that was prompted by nostalgia because there was a bonus feature on the, the anniversary edition of the Five Doctors um, DVD, which was all about everything that had been going on in 1983. It was presented by Colin Baker. I can't remember what it was called. But all the stuff about the, you know, the regular cast being on Saturday Superstore and all the stuff that went on and, you know, culminating children the needs and all that and it it was so overwhelmingly nostalgic it reminded me of as i always sort of say the very simple times when you know you could count the number of doctors they'd been on one hand <laughs> and it hadn't quite become the sort of the juggernaut that it's become and that's what kicked me off you know going back and for the first time watching the entire series or listening to the entire series or what have you all the way from an earthly child all the way up to to where we were but i think when we finished um when i finished matt smith was the was the Doctor on TV? Nostalgia is a big part of it, and I think I think for a lot of Doctor Who fans, it's always it's always about trying to hold on to that little special sort of magical feeling that you got when you first became a fan. And I think um, sometimes as we get older, that's maybe harder to keep a hold of, or the way the, the program itself changes, it doesn't really tick those buttons and quite you know, tick those buttons, push those buttons in quite the same way. I remember when the big finish stuff started, I was a bit dismissive of it because I dismissed that as very as just clinging to sort of fan nostalgia, but. The older I get, I, I really appreciate, you know, just nostalgia full stop. I'm all about it. Next and last, we've got some big finish news. Well, not so much news, but some reflections on some of the latest releases. Kenny, tell us what's happening. Yes, well, we've got an exciting news of the story titles for the first three Christopher Eccleston Ninth Doctor stories. And we've also learned some more Tenth Doctor adventures that are on the way, where the Tenth Doctor meets some of his old friends. Like whom? We have the Doctor meeting Nyssa in The Stuntman. We've got the Doctor and K-9 meeting Rila. 
And finally, we've got the doctor and canine meeting East. So this is the 10th doctor and canine, yes. right? Yep, 10th doctor and canine teaming up and going around time and space. Very good. All right. It's quite, quite exciting. I, have to, I do like the 10th doctor and canine combo because that moment of joy when uh, the doctor sees canine in school reunion, it's just the sheer joy in David Tennant's voice. And you think, that's the voice of a fan. That's not the voice of the doctor. Yeah, no, absolutely. Davey, you excited about all of this? Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be a. I don't want to be a, a grump. But uh, you know, I would rather we got another. I'd rather we, we'd had a, a tenth Doctor and Martha Jones box set, or another tenth Doctor and Donna set first. I mean, I understand that obviously David Tennant's been available during lockdown, and quite rightly, you know, Big Finish have been able to you know secure his services, which is marvellous because you know Out of Time was released, and he's doing the, the Dalek Universe series and stuff, and all that's. Very interesting. This just strikes me as a bit, I don't know, scraping the barrel of ideas a little bit. It's They've done an awful lot the last couple of years, I feel, when they've done these sort of cross-series team-ups. And quite often, my experience, the gimmick hasn't been enough to sustain the story. The stories there haven't really been very strong. So is this a, is this a new version of K-9? Or is it Sarah Jane's K-9 that he's borrowing? Does he borrow it from Leela and take it off to meet everyone else? Um, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm reserving. I'm reserving judgment at the moment. I, I don't feel too inclined towards partaking of this one, to be honest. But we'll see. We'll see how I feel and if I've got the funds near the time. That's fine talk. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, isn't it? I'm quite excited by the doctor meeting Leela because I think Louise Jameson meeting anyone is great because I just think she's so bloody good. Yeah, no, that's true. I, I would. I'm intrigued. I kind of agree with what Davey's saying. I think you know, Big Finish have done a great job with Doctor Who, but I, I sometimes think they are. Some might say there's a degree of cynicism in 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 their appeal to 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 Doctor Who fans, and producing combinations that really don't make much sense in the broader uh, the broader narrative of classic Who. However. I think this would be interesting. I'm looking forward to the Louise Jameson episodes. On the subject of Louise Jameson, one of the best stories when they did the John Hurt box sets was the story where she met the War Doctor and it dealt with, you know, how Leela's life had panned out. I and mean, that was phenomenal. Louise was amazing in that story. I mean, she always is, but that one, I remember sort of having to pause it <laughs> just to kind of re recap almost to kind of get my bearings because it was I, so, you know, I haven't heard so that well one. Done. How did her life pan out? I mean, did she wake up one day and her husband was suddenly her wife? <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. I don't think they touched on that in the story. Oh, I'll give you one of that box set if you haven't heard it. It's very good. Um, oh, it's all in the Gallifrey it's... series. What happens to Andred? I'm not going to spoil it, but it's all in Gallifrey series one. Right. All okay. Right. Okay. And there is, we should probably point out as well, there's another box set announced that this is involved in, which I'm much more interested and much more excited about because they're doing a, a set where Derek Jacobi's master meets um, Joe Grant and Nissa. And obviously Joe Grant and Nissa both have a bit of history with the master. Joe met him several times. And then, of course, the master killed Nissa's father. So I think I'm much more interested in how the potential for storylines there than... The didn't, novelty. Ju didn't, didn't just kill Ness's father, nicked his body. Yeah, yeah, you know, and wiped out um, her whole system with his with his with his old entropy wave and that. So I'm I'm a bit more interested in that rather than just the sort of novelty the novelty comic book style crossover that, that they're doing in, in the other one. Am yeah. I being too cynical? I don't know. I think I'm What's just coming from the point of view of 
I don't have the, the cash to flash around these days. Let's talk about the other um, range that you were talking about, Kenny. Uh, the one that most fans are probably very eagerly looking forward to. What what can you tell us about the Eccleston Adventures, the ninth? Yes, we've Adventures. got Ravagers, uh, which is the first three episodes for Christopher Eccleston back as the Doctor after 15 years, which is quite incredible. And we've got three stories which have all been written by Nick Briggs, which are Sphere of Freedom, Cataclysm and Food Fight. And the cover for this was released um, last night as we speak at the time of recording. And we can see that there's no sign of Billy Piper or John Barrowman. It's very much Christopher Eccleston, who's been joined by a pair of actresses, Camilla Beeput and Jane McKenna. Are there any plans to get Billy Piper and John Barrowman in? I genuinely don't know. I can say hand in heart, I don't know. That is one that the fans would be desperate to uh, to listen to, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. definitely. I mean, it's yeah. such an underused trio because they're so good when you see them in boom time together and then the next time we see them, they're ripped apart. But you look, yeah. there's a three BBC books that were published during the time with that trio and they're all fantastic and they're just so well written because the characters are larger than life due to the way they've been played. And you can, every single word that they say in those novels, you can hear being said by the likes of Eccleston, Piper or Barrowman. And I think, it, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but are you quite excited to hear Eccleston back? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, very much so. It was the, it at what stage are we, Kenny, with the production of these adventures? I mean, have they been recorded? Has Eccleston, he's obviously seen the scripts, has he given any indication about how happy he is to be, to have, completed them or about to record them or where are we? Very much so, yes recorded, he actually was on Lorraine before Christmas our old friend Lorraine Kelly Mm -hmm. and she was talking to him, he was talking about a campaign for the big issue and people should sign up, they can pay by direct debit to get a copy and support their local vendor and choose their vendor, great idea particularly in these current times and he also mentioned that he was on his way to studio to record some more Big finish stories. So yes, all exciting times and spaces. Excellent. Yeah, Nick, Bregg the first Nick Briggs interviewed him on the the Big Finish podcast a couple of weeks ago, just after they, they had recorded, literally moments after they finished recording, and and, and Eccleston commented that he was really pleased that he felt that the scripts had captured is it the essence of you know the character that he played, and you know he, he reiterated that he always did enjoy playing him. So it's you know it's it's pinch me time. I mean. When Paul McGann first did his first Big Finish stories, it was only four or five years after he'd been on TV, and it felt like the second coming. So, and the fact it's taken so long for Eccleston to sort of come to the table, I never genuinely never thought it would happen. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, the, the cover was revealed last night, and I sat there going, "This is nonsense." I mean, it's great, but it's yeah. you know, it's um, couldn't still can't quite believe it. I, I, you know, I think everyone's expectations for these are going to be really high, and I really hope they deliver. But, you know, Briggs is a safe pair of hands. He'll be fine. I'm sure they'll be good. That's all for this episode. Can I ask you to do a number of things? Can I ask you to follow us on Twitter, Power of Three Pod? Um, visit our Facebook page and give it a like. Uh, visit our website, powerofthreepod.com. And don't forget to give us a review, uh, five stars if possible, on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. So thanks for listening. We'll see you again very soon. So it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. Take care, everyone. 
And it's goodbye from me. Good night, Vienna.